Thank you for tuning in to School Mental Health, Beacons of Hope, where we gather diverse perspectives on creating inclusive school communities to support students. This podcast is brought to you by Erica's Lighthouse and hosted by me, Brandon Combs, Executive Director. This episode features special guest Peggy Cooper, LCSW and Senior Director of Education with Erica's Lighthouse. Peggy has been with Erica's Lighthouse since 2006, helping school communities raise awareness about teen depression, suicide prevention, and to develop skills to embrace good mental health. Peggy works with schools across the country to train mental health staff, educators, and parents on ways to create opportunities for young people to receive the help they deserve. Peggy received her master's from the University of Chicago in Social Service Administration and her Bachelor of Arts in Education from Northwestern University. Today's topic is depression education is suicide prevention. Greetings, Peggy. Thank you for being my very first guest on our new video podcast series, School Mental Health Beacons of Hope. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be your first interviewee. Absolutely. Always a trailblazer, um, both with Erica's Lighthouse as well as the Chicago North Shore. And now when it comes to video podcast technology. So I'm excited to kind of get started and see some new audiences that we may be able to reach through this. That'd be great. Perfect. So I do want to start off a little bit of an icebreaker question. Of course, Erica's Lighthouse is all about depression awareness as well as good mental health. Um, so part of good mental health, we all know, is great nutrition. So one of the questions I wanted to find out from you is, what is your favorite fruit? Brandon, you always come up with such unusual questions. My favorite fruit. Um, well, let's see. Lately, I've been into bananas. Um, I'm, you know, going for the potassium balance. Um, and I particularly love them smeared on toast with almond butter. So <laughs> a little gross, but that no, sounds amazing. I do a banana a day as well, but I will say it's not my favorite. I'm a more a pineapple person, um, merely because of the flexibility and while not aligned with good mental health, um, the ability to mix it in cocktails is particularly inspiring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, you know, you can make pineapple ice cubes or something and, you know, soak them in whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. If I can get a good French martini, I'm a, I'm a very happy person. So well, you'll have to later tell me what that's all about, but not perhaps on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Offline. So, well, one of the things I wanted to talk with you about today is kind of, uh, very first video podcast is really focused on Erica's Lighthouse as a program provider and specifically relating to our curriculum, which is, I think, unique about how we are really addressing suicide prevention and suicide awareness. And this concept that depression education is suicide prevention. And so you've been with us for about just over 14 years, I believe, with Erica's Lighthouse. And so starting off, I would love to hear from you, like, what has changed in school mental health over 14 years? I think one of the biggest changes we're talking about it, right? I mean, 14 years ago, 2004, when Erica's Lighthouse formed, these conversations might have happened, you know, perhaps in health class, you know, just a, a short unit, and that would have been it. Maybe talking about nutrition is good health. It probably wasn't even connected up to mental health back then. So I think one of the biggest differences is 
the, the awareness that mental health is as equally as important as physical health. We all have to pay attention to our mental health. Um, you know, when we formed back then and we lost Erica, there was such an urgency to make sure everyone understood what the signs and symptoms of depression was all about. We didn't want any kid to take their life. We didn't want any kid to struggle. And it was just, you know, a few years into the program that we thought, wait a minute, we really need to be beefing up the mental health message too, because we wanted kids to know where they where where they were going because everyone even if they weren't going to be diagnosed with depression everyone needed to protect their mental health and so i think you know today in 2020 in a school building in a school community i think there's just um much more awareness that everybody needs to be paying attention to all kids and checking in with how they're doing mentally from from the person who sits at the front desk who sees these kids walk in the building every day maybe looking tired or sad or coming in late you know just questioning what's that all about rather than just assuming it's you know a behavioral problem or a, you know the kid just being you know not caring about school you know out of the bus drivers just being you know more paying more attention to kids so i think there's just more of a all school culture um, that's paying attention to the mental health of kids, as well as addressing kids who've already been identified or will be identified as really struggling with a mental health issue, because there's yeah. a lot of them out there, unfortunately. Absolutely, I mean, we're operating in such um, a more dynamic environment. I mean, even the recognition today of the importance of basic social emotional learning um, starting in early childhood and that development all the way through high school. I mean, if anything, it is reinforcing and supporting the message that we're providing in middle and high schools. Um, but it's just a fascinating um, evolution um, to kind of coming to where we've come to. And it's exciting to know that Erica's Lighthouse was really at the forefront of that 16 years ago when these conversations were just starting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it was really kind of revolutionary that we, I mean, th this isn't exactly what we were talking about, but that um, our founders just felt it was so important not just to focus on um, suicide, not just to focus on depression, but to really try to do this comprehensive program that focused on all of these topics and really tried to reach all the adults that would touch the life of a kid so that everybody had the same vocabulary and everybody had the same awareness of where help was because you know when in 2004 when we lost erica it just it just wasn't on people's minds it wasn't on the forefront it wasn't talked about and um you know rocked our community you know, which is a pretty well-educated community where we came from, but it was just that awareness that, oops, we have got to be talking about this. Yeah. So. Well, I think one of the things we have talked about a lot at Erica's Lighthouse, and we express, and you touched on this a little bit, both with the discussion about the importance of general mental health education that we try to infuse as much as we can in our programming, but also that we are not necessarily direct 
suicide awareness or direct suicide prevention, that we are more upstream from that. Can you talk a little bit about kind of that? How did we get into that market or kind of what was the discussion to be there? Yeah. So, you know, again, in the, in the beginning, there was this understanding by Erica's friends and um, Erica's family that just talking about the signs of suicide wouldn't have actually resonated with Erica herself or her friends because that just nobody was thinking about that. So um, the, the decision to focus on depression awareness, making sure kids understood signs and symptoms of what depression looked like. I mean, how would someone even get to the point of wanting to take their lives? It was just such an, uh, you know, who would even go there? So we wanted to make sure kids understood that depression is actually common, that a lot of kids struggle. I mean, nobody knew how common it was back then. Um, and that you can get better and that there is help. And to kind of just even normalize that, because um, the numbers are, are, are large. You know, there's, I think it's, um, over the last decade, and this is from a study from 2017, there was a 60% increase in teen depression in the last decade. And you know, now that we're going through this pandemic and this difficult time, you know, so many kids are struggling with feelings of isolation, feelings of loss, feeling of grief, you know, and and those kids are gonna tip over into this thing called clinical depression as well too. So the decision of kind of focusing on depression as an entree into suicide was really understanding that depression is one of the largest risk factors for teen suicide. So you, you just can't focus on suicide signs without talking about how somebody gets there. I mean, that's, that was our philosophy from, from the get-go. I mean, it's okay. I mean, kids need to understand if someone's giving away their possessions, if they're talking about not wanting to be around, you need to tell somebody, but you also have to take it seriously. And, and let's not wait till somebody gets to that point. Let's wait till we see our friends showing other signs that we start recognizing as they're not acting like themselves. Maybe something's going on. Let's Let's find out. Let's talk to somebody. Yeah, you're, you've always incredibly eloquently spoke about this concept that depression education is suicide prevention. And you were really an impetus um, for a recent white paper that we published um, from Erica's Lighthouse about this very topic and really built off of the ASCA school uh, model policy for suicide prevention. Can you? Explain a little bit more about this concept that depression education is suicide prevention. Well, you know, there are so many kids who struggle with depression. I've already said that, you know, and suicide is actually rare. Okay. So if you lose a child to suicide in your school community, it's, it's a tragedy, but for that one suicide, there's, you know, I've heard 100 to 200, you know, maybe 7%, 10% of your school population that are making attempts 
that you may or may not even know about. So if you often think of like a bullseye, you know, you've got the, the, the young person who took their lives surrounded by kids who are making attempts. They're surrounded by, you know, I, I've always heard the number 400, but you know, at least 12% of your school population that are struggling with depression. And if we're educating those kids and those kids can say, wait a minute, I didn't know that that was depression. I just thought this is what teenage years were supposed to feel like. Now you've got this early intervention, early education, early um, awareness program going on where kids might be able to more freely come forward and say, wait a minute, I just thought I was supposed to be feeling this way. So that's the whole concept of depression awareness as suicide prevention. That was what we were talking about, right? No, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I think one of the, I think you touched on this too, and you, you talked about, I mean, that early intervention piece, which we're seeing as being so key, uh, you're talking about somewhat of a continuum of kind of a disease state for mental illness, but in regards to kind of the bullseye and you know the catchment area, and what we can really do with kids and the relation that kids can have is easier with maybe stress, anxiety that could lead to then depression, that then potentially to suicidal ideations. And so I love this concept of like let's let's catch it even earlier. Let's start having these conversations and being sure we can prevent these challenges before they go too far. Yeah, I mean, d depression in school, you know, looks like so many different things, too. I mean, you know, you've got kids who are just having difficulty focusing, difficulty concentrating, showing up late to school. Kids with depression often get misdiagnosed as just or treated as behavioral issues. So I think not only when you're educating the kids, but when you're educating the professionals, the, the educators, that what you're seeing in the classroom may not just be a behavioral problem or may not just be a learning issue. Let's get these kids to the right people in your building and let's eliminate you know, the, the mental health is the issue, but let's get this conversation going early so that we don't have to have kids making attempts on their lives to get attention that they need, get the help that they need. And it's so treatable, but not if you don't ask for help because you can't see it. And kids think you can see it. Kids think that, oh, well, why aren't they noticing that I'm not feeling like myself anymore? And so with this kind of education, and that that's what I love about our programs. I love our videos with real kids talking to kids. You know, you and I can get up there and teach a class, but we're just like adults going, yeah, 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 you know, but to have this message come from people who look just like you and sound just like you, you know, your peers, it, it makes it easier for you know a young person to recognize themselves in our videos because it's just authentic. It's just real kids yeah. talking. Well, and I think really expressing this concept, you know, depression and mental illness are normal, but they're not typical. And I think it's really important for us to to 
keep relaying that message, not only to school mental health professionals, but to educators and parents and teens that they don't have to feel this way. Um, I mean, you know, depression is incredibly common. Anxiety is incredibly common, um, but it's also not typical and people don't have to feel that way. And I think that's a really powerful message that comes from these teens as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there was a Pew Research study. I think it's called the Pew Research Foundation. I'm not 100% certain. That said that 96% um, of kids saw depression and anxiety as a problem amongst their peers, and 70% of them thought it was a real serious problem. So, you know, there is this recognition that this this exists in school communities. And so, you know, we need to be talking about it. But, you know, you're 100% correct, Brandon, that um, it's not, you know, everybody doesn't have depression, but everyone know, you know, not everybody, but you're going to know somebody who, who has depression. And that's the other part of this type of education is just to make sure friends know what to do to help take care of friends because friends are going to see changes before the adults do in most cases. And, and, and they could be really instrumental in saying, I care about you. I'm worried about you. Something's not right. You know, what's, what's up? Let's go do something to feel better. Yeah. And I think that that extends, at least to me, that extends beyond depression. I mean, I really see our programs. Depression is so common. Depression is so serious that our program almost acts as like a gateway conversation. We utilize depression as that standard template. Like here's a great example that's very common. You're gonna come across it. If it's not you, it's likely a friend, it's a parent, it's a loved one. But it does explore and open up breaking down that stigma, the ability to say, this is normal, but again, it's not typical. If I'm seeing warning signs, it may not be depression, but it's still something I need to address and have a conversation yeah. with somebody about. Yeah. I mean, you and I came out of the addiction world, right? You know, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, you know, depression as a gateway conversation starter <laughs> versus a gateway drug. Absolutely. Or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, I mean, it's the most common of mental illnesses and probably the easiest to talk about because kids throw that word depression all around all the time. You know, I'm so depressed. My parents are driving me crazy, you know. So, it's helping kids recognize the difference between, you know, I'm bummed out, I'm sad, I'm like depressed versus, you know, I've really got something else going on that I can't shake. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's just so much, it's just hard to be a young person today because there is so much stress and pressure and, and anxiety and, you know, all sorts of things that, deserve attention and deserve a conversation and deserve an intervention of some sort to feel better because kids deserve to feel feel good. You deserve better. Yeah. One of the conversations that I know you as somebody who's working a lot directly with our schools is, you know, we frequently kind of get this um, either or conversation with schools. You know, we're, they're either teaching Erica's Lighthouse or they're teaching maybe a direct more focused suicide uh, prevention or suicide awareness programming. Do you believe our program can live and operate side by side with those? Oh, sure. There's, there's, you know, I think the more you have these conversations, even if you did, 
like a straight suicide prevention program one year, then you did the Erica's Lighthouse program another year. I mean, you want to keep reinforcing this message. And of course they go together because depression and suicide, they, they do go to, they do go together. So, um, you know, just, um, there's certainly room for these conversations year after year, because what I hear as a seventh grader is going to be completely different than what I hear as a sophomore, because my experiences are really different and I'm seeing more. So you keep reinforcing this message and maybe one year you do focus a little bit more on, okay, these are the signs and symptoms and what do you do? But uh, uh, signs and symptoms of suicide and then what what are you supposed to do but it's just that whole you know this whole conversation that we're having today Brandon about, about you know good mental health and good mental states I mean that you you can be talking about that as we started out the conversation from kindergarten on you know so yeah they they easily can live together and we've got lots of schools that use both programs um, you know, a straight suicide prevention program, and then more of this depression awareness, good mental health program. Either they're teaching it um, at different grade levels, or as I said, um, you know, the same grade level, teaching both types of programs at the same time. So a lot of our schools use both and are very happy with, with them and successfully using both. Mm -hmm. So this is a little bit of unscripted question, but but I know you can you can handle it. I think one of the things that we as an organization have been really focused on is trying to engage both our educators and our social workers, our school counselors into broader conversations about how do we fit in, we meaning Erica's Lighthouse curriculum, fit into their larger school mental health perspectives or fit into a larger suicide prevention model and not just that we're in you know one or two health classes within a school but really recognizing that we fit into a larger scale um, approach in both assisting schools and identifying kids um, that may be struggling as well as creating more inclusive classrooms um, how are some of those conversations that you're having with some of our educators going when it comes to that approach yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, you know, we've seen educators take some of our materials or just, you know, wonder how you talk about this in health in um, um, English class, you know, for example, when you're reading, you know, something, you know, about fragmented societies or, you know, today with the, the whole conversation about um, tolerance and justice and, and, um, there's so many opportunities to bring a discussion of mental health and depression and um, these type of issues into other academic subjects. You know, and some of the materials that we have on our resource portal talk about, um, you know, statistics and numbers and how to use that in math class. And now, you know, the whole emphasis that we're seeing more along skill building programs um in health classes and um you know just giving kids practical tools that are going to help protect them in life problem solving skills empathy building skills it's it's really you know kind of all under this like large encompassed 
umbrella of what good mental health is all about, you can you can talk about it in so many different topics and so many different um, academic um, classes and not just health classes or gym class or wellness classes. And, you know, what's really cool is, you know, the schools that have really embraced our messages and really are embracing building this culture of good mental health. There's posters in the hallway about where to reach out for help and what does good mental health look like and, you know, take a compliment and, you know, put, you know, put a smile on someone's face. I mean, all that kind of cool stuff that, you know, you, you, want to feel good going to school. You want to know that your school appreciates you feeling good and appreciates something other than your class rank or your, you know, how many AP classes you're taking. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's so, for me, it's just so gratifying to see the growth over the, you know, since we formed to see how just how much this has been embraced in in buildings across the country yeah you know? and 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 that they, we really are creating these inclusive cultures within school communities i think is really exciting but i think one of that really starts with teachers and them feeling confident and capable and having these conversations i've been to a couple of trainings that you've done kind of all school trainings one of the first hands that will always pop up from a teacher is what if I'm the trusted adult? What if I'm the one the kid is coming yeah. to talk to? So can you talk just a little bit about kind of how do we how do we address that with those educators? Yeah, because it's it's not gonna be the social worker necessarily that a kid goes to. It's gonna be the coach. It's gonna be the math teacher, the you know, well, maybe not the math teacher, but sorry, well, we, math teachers out we, there. We know somebody who is a math teacher Wait, and they were actually right. addressed that, that right. they were the trusted adult. They were the one that brought up the the concerns. Yeah, it's, you know, it's whoever feel, uh, whoever, um, you know, a student feels really connected to and an educator who's just, you know, cares enough to say, I see something. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it can be really scary because you think, oh my God, what if I've opened up a Pandora's box? What if I'm wrong? What if I say something wrong? And really, you know, what we want educators to understand is to just say to a young person that you're concerned about is, this is not my expertise. I am not a clinician. I don't know what's going on, but I, I, I sense you're not yourself. I sense something different. This isn't typical for you. So let's get you back on track. Let's get you to the people that can help you. And that's, that's an intervention. That's the job, you know, take your student down to the social worker's office, the counselor's office, to the nurse's office, and just say, uh, you know, this is an act of caring and, you know, you're not alone and we're going to get through this together. It's a real powerful message um, that, you know, all, all classroom teachers, you know, want to do, they want to be helpful. That's why they're in this, this profession to begin with. And so, um, yeah, we do talk a lot about you, you might very well be that trusted adult and, you know, it's okay. You don't have to be, have a clinical degree to be able to be helpful for somebody. 
And on our resource portal, you do have a 10 or 15 minute kind of presentation video on helping a student, or if you are the trusted adult too, of course, like all of our other materials is free of charge um, for people to access from that helping a student perspective as well for any of those educators that are concerned or are struggling and kind of where do they fit in with that and what role do they play in the broader school community when it comes to school mental health. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's tons of support, lots of resource on our, you know, lots of resources on our resource portal. And it lives um, up to its name, what can we say? Yeah. <laughs> it does. Well, you know, it's it's um, you know, it's it's exciting to really um, you know, just kind of shift the paradigm a little, change the perspective a bit, that we're not looking at kids as, you know, just trouble to get out of the classroom and you know just so we can get on and do our education i mean we're we're in a world today where um you know there's just we've got to be paying attention to this stuff for our kids for ourselves you know we all have to be paying attention to our mental well-being yeah there's a lot of I, challenges I, out there yeah and just one closing you know i i don't want to focus too much on the pandemic as we all hope this is a temporary situation that goes goes away soon but we're hearing from a lot of schools a lot of educators a lot of social workers that are very concerned about their teens that may be in remote environments or hybrid environments and not seeing them every day do you have any closing comments for some of those educators or school mental health professionals that are struggling to get in touch or contact or be aware of a student and kind of how can they help from a distance yeah, it's 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 tricky because, you know, there's there's no clear cut rules for, you know, can you pick up a telephone and call home and just say, you know, I noticed you haven't been signing into class or, you know, kids are what we're hearing for some of the educators are kids just are having Zoom fatigue and they just don't want to be on their screen. And so I had one counselor tell me, yeah, but now I have to, like, tell the kid go on Zoom and we'll talk about it. And it's just, it, it's tough, but um, it's scary. You know, there are gonna be lots of kids who are home alone, who um, are um, are just kind of lost. And, and the more people that can check in, whether it's you as the educator or the counselor reaching out to a peer of this kid and saying, please check in with your friends. You know, I suppose, you know, worst case scenario, somebody can go do a mental health check. The police can go do a mental health check on on young people if it gets if it gets to that point. But just keep reaching, keep reaching out. And and um, that's what I'm hearing our educators are doing or just finding really creative ways that the, the classroom teachers are telling the social workers, this kid hasn't shown up. You know, I don't know where this kid is. Um, you gotta, you gotta help out. And, and some of these kids are, are not able to sign in because they're having to work jobs now to help support the family. Or, um, you know, there's so many, so many reasons and a, and a lot of really concerned school districts, you know, a lot of, a lot of schools really concerned about their kids. So, yeah, I hope, I hope this rough patch that we're going through right now ends soon and we can get back to some sort of normalcy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Peggy, I appreciate the opportunity and you taking the time to speak with me today. I just want a quick closing statement of, you know, 
if your school district is struggling or you need help or you're looking for programming, Peggy and our director of education, Alana, are here to help. Um, this is what they do every day um, in and out of the office, mostly out right now, um, but in helping um, schools figure out the best way to, to approach kids, help them um, implement our programming within those school districts. So I know, Peggy, that you would be available for anybody that is looking for that kind of help and support. That is what we're here for. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Peggy. We appreciate that opportunity. Um, if anybody is looking for our resources or our programming, you can go to ericaslighthouse.org and create a free account on our resource portal, and you will get almost instant access to all of our free materials, including um, classroom curriculums, intervention support, parent engagement, teen empowerment clubs, and and it goes on and on. So um, yeah. please utilize that resource. Um, we are here to support all of our schools, um, whether they're currently using us or not, um, as they move forward and try to navigate these really challenging times. Yeah. So, thanks for having me, Brandon. It was fun. It was a great time. Thanks so much, Peggy, and have a great one. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. For more information about Erica's Lighthouse, please visit ericaslighthouse.org. If you have any ideas, suggestions for future topics, or are looking for more information about our programs, please contact me at brandon at ericaslighthouse.org. Have a great day.